You're listening to Temporary Circumstances, and I'm your host, Alina Sowers, a licensed professional counselor in Ohio. And I'm your co-host, Cora Mayfield, also a licensed professional counselor in the state of Ohio. In this podcast, we're going to share some ideas and things that we've learned that aren't too often talked about in mental health, including some taboo topics, if you will, like death and grief, trauma and PTSD, addictions, and others. We will cover some of the worst things imaginable that happen to people around us every single day and how we can help them get through those difficult times. The opinions on this show are ours only and do not reflect any agency that we work for. Today we're going to talk about suicide. And the big question that everybody always asks about suicide and we all want to know is, why do people complete suicide? And the truth is that there's not really one answer to that. It's really specific to each individual's experience and what the skills and resources they have to protect themselves. Right. So, um, you know, we do have a variety of factors that play a role in suicide that we know of, but unfortunately, we can't we can't be sure. Some of those factors are the way people feel about themselves and others, including feeling hopeless, feeling helpless, feeling worthless, and feeling trapped. Also feeling like you have no purpose or you've lost meaning can play a role. Um, Feeling like you have no reasons for living. That would definitely be someone who may be having suicidal thoughts or even behaviors. I think it's important to remember also that mental health disorders and mental illness also play a big role in suicidality and suicidal thoughts. Yes, absolutely. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255, or if it's an emergency, call 911. So suicide has been on the rise over the last decade. Um, Statistics show that overall suicide rates have increased 28% from 2000 to 2015. So we're not really sure as to why that happens. Some ideas are that it could be due to social media. Um, So one thing that I keep in mind is that there has been a rise of suicides among younger children. I do think that that is connected to bullying and probably cyberbullying as well. Cora, what do you think? Do you have anything to add? I think it's important to understand that, like, we don't know why people complete suicide. We also don't know why the suicide rates are going up. It's all guesses and hypothesis and using personal experience in therapy that people get this from. I think that some factors people have considered is financial issues. Um, They've considered whether there's lots of work available or not. Things like weather changes can affect people's mood and in, in that way affect suicide and crime statistics going up can also affect suicidality going up because trauma is also a factor. So according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall in the United States, claiming the lives of over 47,000 people. And that's in 2017 because we do need a couple years to collect data like that. Um, Suicide in 2017 was also the second leading cause of death among individuals ages of 10 and 34. 
And there were also more than twice as many suicides in the U.S. as there were homicides in 2017. So there's a myth out there that suicide is the coward's way out. Uh, We actually know that this is not true. It takes quite a bit of courage and bravery to actually get to that point to where you are suicidal, um, having those suicidal thoughts or behaviors. And that's because of the fact that naturally, we as humans, we want to survive, we want to reproduce, um, and that all plays a role in the survival of our species. Another myth is that people are doing it for attention, and that's just not true. Typically, we see if somebody dies by suicide, they have done everything they can with the resources that they have to survive and to get out of whatever situation that they're in the middle of. So when we talk about someone being at risk for suicide, we want to consider if there is an acute crisis, um, and we also want to consider what the chronic baseline is for those suicidal thoughts and behaviors for that person. Um, So do you want to explain that a little bit further, Cora? Yeah, so we consider suicidality as a spectrum, and that spectrum can be from zero to 100, and no one is ever exactly at zero. Even if they feel completely like suicide would never be an option, there's always some risk factors that we take into consideration. One huge risk factor is a previous attempt at suicide that puts someone always at risk. And that's what we call chronic risk. Acute crisis is something happening that's creating different thoughts and different feelings that lead to feeling like suicide is the only answer. So chronic is something, somebody can be chronically suicidal all of the time or most of the time, and that goes up and down depending on how they're feeling and what's going on throughout their day. An acute crisis is somebody who needs immediate medical or mental health attention. Yes, and when it comes to that acute crisis, you know, we we really want to talk about those immediate safety concerns. We want to keep the person safe make sure that we can keep an eye on them because that is when they're most likely to do something about it. When we talk to people who have friends who are suicidal and we're talking about those immediate safety concerns, the thing is if there's any way to remove, to safely remove means of suicide, that's very important. If there's any way to safely get this person help that's very important. If there's any way to make sure this person is not alone during this crisis, that's very important. So if you can't actually do any of those things, calling 911 and getting police and medics there for this person to save their life is absolutely the right call. I think it's important to mention here that we do realize it sounds pretty scary, you know, someone's suicidal and we're calling 911, we're calling the police. Um, Some people may even be afraid of the police or just not want to interact with them. And I just want to make sure that we understand the fact that these officers who are going to come out, they are trained in mental health. So they're they're going to be specifically more trained in how to deal with that situation. Um, So it's not a situation where you should be afraid that they're going to like handcuff you and throw you in the back of a cruiser, but rather that they are there to help and get you to the next place that's able to help you further with stabilizing meds or therapy or whatever it is that you need. Yeah. So when the officers respond to a call for suicide, all they're doing is making sure you're safe. So their whole job, there's no arrest. It's just about getting any means 
away and helping make the scene safe so that the medic comes in. And what the medic is actually going to do is treat any injuries and just transport you to the hospital or to somewhere where you can get mental health treatment. Um, another thing that I hear from people who have friends who are thinking of suicide is that if they call the police or tell someone that they might, the person will be mad and will ruin the friendship. Um, as a therapist, this might sound harsh, but I believe that their life is worth more than the friendship. So if it takes them being mad for a little bit, but they're still alive, to me, that's worth it. Yes, I would have to agree with that. And also, you know, one thing that we know is individuals who do attempt suicide, but do not die by suicide, tend to be relieved um, when they are still alive, in fact. So I imagine that many of those people in those circumstances would, in fact, be thankful for that person who called. So if there is an acute crisis that someone is experiencing and they're having some of those suicidal thoughts, you do truly want to go to the hospital for things like that. So in a previous episode, we've talked about a variety of different counseling settings and things like that. If you are someone who is actively suicidal or if you know someone who is, this is probably not the time to look for a new therapist in private practice. The hospital is really the place that's going to be able to help you. If you need medication, they're going to help get you on the right meds. And again, the goal is not to keep you there forever. It's just to help stabilize you and then link you with resources in the community. So if you are in an acute crisis, the emergency room is absolutely an appropriate place for you to go. But there may be more options for you in your area, more resources, more places that can help during an acute crisis. So if you know of those things, those are also good options. And the reasons behind that is because even though, you know, we're all in the mental health profession, we do get trained in somewhat of different modalities and different approaches. And so a place like the hospital or an inpatient unit, they're just better trained to deal with those types of crises than, for example, community-based or private practice counselors. So what would make you take a loved one or a friend to the hospital? Cora, what are some of those signs that we should be on the lookout for? Some of the most obvious signs are talking about suicide, talking about death, writing about suicide, writing about feelings of hopelessness or helplessness, or feeling like there's no options, talking about having no options. Yeah, absolutely. You know, reckless behavior, if you notice um, mood changes in someone. That if can I be could something. just interrupt you there. Um one thing about mood changes is sometimes when somebody's suicidal and they've had a low mood for a very long time, and then all of a sudden out of what seems like nowhere, there's a positive mood, mm -hmm. that would be a good time to discuss suicide. Yes, absolutely. Um, that's something that we always want to be on the lookout for. If someone's been really, really low, and now all of a sudden they seem happy, that is something to look for. So some other things to look for, someone who's feeling trapped uh, or, again, uh, has lost a sense of purpose, increased substance use or abuse, and withdrawal from others as well. Um, now, as far as acute risk factors, these are things you want to look for that increase the risk in the very near future. Some of those may be that suicidal ideation, so 
talking about the plans that perhaps they made or some options for suicide. A recent suicide attempt that is important to keep an eye on. Current self-harm behavior. Um, those are some of those risk factors. Another one would be preparing. So if you notice some of the things they might be buying or some of the activities that they're doing, seems like they're preparing for a plan that they've already created, that would be a risk factor and definitely needs to have a conversation about suicide and what their plans might be. Um, psychological pain, so acute distress, this is usually in response to a major thing that has happened. So if an event occurs in their life and it just seems like they can't process that and that the feelings for them are very emotional, it might be something to consider. And that could be things like losing a loved one, whether due to divorce or death or financial struggles or perhaps even work struggles. Um, so if you know someone well and they're going through something, you know, check on them, keep an eye on them, make sure that they're safe. And it's not if they're not considering suicide, it is not going to make them suicidal to ask them about it. Yeah. And it's okay to use the word suicide or say the words, are you planning to kill yourself? Though Coming right out with it is better than being vague. They may not understand what you're asking. It's, it's okay. And it sounds scary to do that, and it, it does take some courage to ask a loved one that, but that's really important, um, and it's really important to explore that and see how you can help them um, and how they can get the help that they need. We know that suicide is connected to depression, and one really important statistic that I want to mention is that 80 to 90% of people that seek treatment for depression are treated successfully using therapy and or medication. So again, we know that unfortunately, not that many people are reaching out to us when they do experience these things. But research shows us over and over again, that there is help out there, we are able to help you. So again, very important to get that help if you think you need it, or if a loved one needs it. Only about half of all Americans who experience an episode of major depression receive treatment. And again, we do know that it tends to be successful. So just something to keep in mind on that note. But a couple things that we want to consider when it comes to suicide in particular is, again, those immediate safety concerns as far as treatment goes. But we also do want to look at the underlying cause. So what is it that is leading the person to having those suicidal thoughts or behaviors. I think it's important. And that this is going to be on a clinical side. This isn't going and talking to your friend about their suicidal thoughts, but we want to think about what emotion is pushing this forward. What feeling feels like it's hard to get rid of. That's, those are some of the things we're going to do in treatment. And we may also look at things like coping skills and, and help you in finding some other ways to deal with those feelings. Or we may talk about things like thinking errors. Um, so perhaps, you know, did you think of a situation as an all or nothing situation? And was that something that caused you to have those suicidal thoughts? And those are all things, again, that we could address in therapy. But we do also have to address those immediate safety concerns. So as a clinician, if we encounter somebody who is suicidal, the first thing that we're going to do is a safety plan. And if someone comes to therapy and we're working on a safety plan, their participation in that safety plan is incredibly important. 
because we need to know the things that we're planning for their safety are things that they're actually willing to do to keep themselves safe. And just to go back and mention that all of the statistics that we've used have been from the CDC. As far as treatment, long-term treatment or short-term treatment for suicidality, there are lots of options out there and lots of therapists have different opinions and ways that they treat suicide. So it's just going to be up to the client to find somebody that they connect with and a treatment method that works best for them. Again, we want to provide the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that is 1-800-273-8255. Thanks for listening to Temporary Circumstances. Leave us a review wherever you found us and comment on anything you want to hear more about or have questions on.